Well, it's uh, great to be here. My wife, Lana, would you stand? 47 years uh, we've been married. As of June 1st, and uh, reunited with my old friend Jason Kingery and uh, the Stewarts. We used to go to church somewhere sometime back yonder. And let me see if there's anybody else here. Now, Pam is a graduate of Rocky Mountain Bible Institute, and uh, so... She's here, they're here, you know the Baylors, and uh, that was a season back. And uh, now we're in the midst of another season. Um, what we do is we have a two-year Bible school. We translate it into a language. We print books. Then we go and train leaders to start Bible training centers. And so now the focus of our life is wrapped up in that. We get caught on the side to speak in different places, and do conferences also overseas, and it's good tonight. I don't have any translator, interpreter with me. <laughs> so I'm at a very uncomfortable time in my life. This is probably the most uncomfortable nine years we've been in and remains to be because of God is stretching us in so many different ways, and it just feel like we're just kind of growing up in the things of God. And uh, uh, after these 47 years of preaching, it seems like that we're just kind of beginning. And uh, it's not a cliche, but it's the truth uh, to the bottom of the soles of my feet. I sit here tonight and I'm screaming out to God, you got to help me here tonight. And uh, so uh, I thank God for Lana. She's been a great helpmate all these years. A lot of water under the bridge and it's been good bridges and some haven't been so good. <laughs> But uh, but here we are, and uh, Lord Terry, so I've got a 20 more years at least to serve him, and I'm looking forward to the next two decades at least uh, to serve the Lord and um, continue to do whatever he would have us to do. Uh, before I begin, there's somebody here tonight who has, uh, I saw a woe of bitterness uh, you've been passed over. Uh, somebody's taken your place. And what was supposed to be yours probably isn't. And you feel like you've been passed by. And I want to encourage you, Joseph felt the same way. But at a certain time in his life, just like that, God brought him forth and brought him out. And God's going to bring you forth, and he's going to bring you out. So I want to encourage you to let go of the bitterness and let God, he has a time to bring you forth and to bring you out. And God hasn't passed you by. Somebody else has, and time may have, passed you by, but God has not passed you by. And if that fits you tonight and you want to stand, I'll pray for you. You don't have to, but I just want to encourage you that um, God is not going to pass you by. He's going to bring you forth at the right time. So move out of that and get a heart of expectancy and begin to look forward because uh, some great things are going to take place. And um, you'll see God do all those things that uh, 
man was supposed to do. But God does better than what man can do. And what you're going to get from him is a lot better than what you could get from man. And that's the good thing. Because what we get from God is good. 47 years, he's never given me a bum deal. Uh, a bum rap. Everything's been good. And whether I deserved it or not, he's been good to me. But he's uh, full of mercy. And I thank God for his mercy. But he is good. And so, tonight we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And when we finish, uh, we're going to give you an opportunity, if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, as they said, it's wonderful. It's not weird. And uh, it can be a very non-emotional thing. It can be a very emotional thing. It's not going to make you hang on the chandeliers. I don't see any, but uh, it's not going to make you run around the building. Now... I'm not saying you won't, but uh, <laughs> God knows us all. We all have different personalities, and He deals with us in different ways. I've, uh, when I received uh, a second work of the Holy Spirit, um, it was a very non-emotional thing, and, and, and at that time, I received my prayer language. The first time, I didn't, and that was an emotional thing. I was drunk in the Spirit for two hours, and and the Holy Spirit, like a 747, just landed inside of me. And uh, just uh, and I'd been drunk before. I was in a nightclub, and I was a bartender when I met Lana. And uh, she sat on the, on the stool down at the end. No, not really. <laughs> no, she didn't. She's going to correct me. But um, I was at a restaurant, and I was managing the restaurant. She walked in one day, good Pentecostal girl. I was a heathen, and I saw her, and I thought, who is that? And uh, then she chased me, and uh, <laughs> we got married, and that was uh, 1968. But uh, so when I received some of the dealings of the Holy Spirit, uh, not always highly emotional for me, but in uh, some have been. I've been in some where they've been, you know, off the charts. But uh, God deals with me in different ways, deal with you in different ways. But He deals His Holy Spirit filling baptism in a great and beautiful way. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So um, let's, uh, let's just pray. Father, we just uh, ask that um, Your Holy Spirit now... Uh, Holy Spirit, just right now, visit us. Do what I can't do. And do what I'd be afraid to do. Holy Spirit, just um, settle in on us. And teach us what needs to be taught here tonight. I, I pray for the teaching. The teacher to teach. Lord, we just pray for your help and your strength. May we have clarity of thought, precision of speech. And I take authority over the enemy who would steal anything that's said tonight. In Jesus' name, uh, I pronounce him um, uh, in this place to be gone. And this is the Lord's house. This is the house of the goodness of God. Father, I ask that you show your goodness here. I ask that you release uh, what you want to do, uh, not any preconceived notions that 
uh, any of us would have, but what you want to do here. So minister to us, Father. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. Uh, you know, uh, you have been faithful. You have humbled yourself under the hand of the Lord. And the scripture says that in due time, you will be exalted. You will be lifted up. You have pure hearts. You have hungry hearts. Oh, how you love me, says the Lord. And because of that, time of exaltation is due. And I will honor you and this house that honors you, saith the Lord. I will bring increase. They are in the bushes. And they are going to come out of the bushes. And it is time, says the Spirit of the Lord, for the avalanche of God to consume this place and fill this place. I will honor you, says the Lord. You will be exalted by my hand and by my power and by my spirit. That which you desired, every bit of it will happen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I know there's honor in this house. I can sense it. But if there's not, honor those that are over you. Those that labor amongst you. Honor is a high thing in the heart of God. Amen. I love to honor people. Good, bad, Amen. Give honor where honors do. Everybody gets honor in some way. Everybody gets honor in some way. Zechariah 4 6. The Lord hung me up with what I was to do here tonight and we're going to do that. But um, uh, as I was thinking about this, he took me to Zechariah 4, 6, and I told Lana at home, boy, I'm not ready for tonight. I just, this this thing is coming to me, and, and uh, you got to pray. And uh, God, God showed me something that I hadn't seen. One of the things he showed me driving down the road was is that the Holy Spirit will always give you the upper hand. He will always give you the upper hand. You will always live in an upper hand realm when you move in the realm of the Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I like that. You know, it gives you inside secrets. You know, you don't need E.F. Houghton or the other guy with Berkshire, the great guru. The Holy Spirit will give you inside trader information. Amen. And it's not by might nor by power, 
but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And that Scripture ran through my spirit and my mind, and so I went to it, and, and uh, uh, one, of the, one of the greatest truths about the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit is this one for the hour that we live in. Now, uh, Zerubbabel was uh, of the royal bloodline of Israel, and he was a civic leader, and they'd been in uh, Babylon for um, 70 years. Now they're going to come back and rebuild the temple. And uh, he's going to finish what was started 20 years earlier. And uh, in our lives, we need to finish well, but, but the finishing and polishing work comes from the Holy Spirit. And Zerubbabel uh, needed to rebuild the temple. And um, he had helped laid some of the stones in the foundation 20 years ago, but then it was stopped. And um, so finishing well and completing all the things regarding your spiritual life before Jesus comes or before you go is very, very important. And to come to the fullness of Christ and to receive all that He has in this hour for your life is a critical issue. You, you, you cannot say no to all the things that God has. The, the spiritual realities. And, and Zerubbabel was coming back to finish the temple and, and the building, and, but he, he lacked the vision and understanding because for, before they had begun it in the flesh. And now he has this vision and he sees a lampstand of solid gold and there's a big bowl on top of the lampstand and there's seven arms that are coming up and the lampstand is being filled with oil from an olive tree on the right and an olive tree on the left and the oil is coming into the bowl and it's coming down and it's feeding all these other lights and lamps and he sees this and he doesn't understand it. And um, though the angel brings the message to him in Zechariah 4, 6 and tells him that when you go to build, really what he is saying is when you go to build and rebuild the temple, you can't do it by your might and by your power. But it's by the Spirit of the Lord that it will take place. And we cannot continue in our walk we cannot continue to build our lives unless it's by the Spirit of God. If flesh and blood are weak, and, but the Spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. And um, Zerubbabel is not going to be able to do it. He cannot do it by strength or force or even if he had an army around him, there, there was too many enemies. And there's things in your life, things in my life that are unfinished. Anybody here got something that's unfinished? <laughs> and I'm not talking about remodeling a house or redoing a car. <laughs> but there's some things that are unfinished in my life and for the future. And I cannot get there by my own strength and my own power. 
It's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Spirit. And I saw today that it, it's it's the, the Holy Spirit, if we're going to make it in this hour, and if we're going to move on in this hour, then then it's got to be by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, it was the Spirit of God, it's the same thing, but it was the Spirit of God. But, but there's things uh, in our lives that can stall out, and only can they be brought to fruition by the Holy Spirit. It's the only way it's going to be get done. You think of some things where you want to be, where you want to go. You think of some things that are undone spiritually, not yet finished spiritually, and, and they've got to be done. And so it'll not be by our, our strength, but the oil that flows into the bowl, into the lampstand, that sends the light out to the world. That unending flow, there was an unending flow, and it was a natural thing done by the olive trees that stood there. That unending flow, and the Holy Spirit is an unending reality that as He's engaged in our life, Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. They're rivers, rivers, rivers. And they're to flow. They're not to stay inside of you. But they're, they're, they're to be used up. That's why we have to be filled. It's one thing to be baptized in the Spirit. Then we have to continue to be filled with the Spirit. And they're two different things. And, and uh, sometimes they all work together. But there has to be a continuing filling with the Spirit. And so, in, 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 in order to do this, we've got to know that um, there is this, this thing that we can only get a hold of, the realities of God we can only get a hold of by the Holy Spirit. Now Paul said, don't you know, 1 Corinthians 3.16, it won't be up here, I'm not sure what what's here anyway, but 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we're a spiritual temple. Jesus is still building us up. He's he's building us up. He's bringing us into full maturity unto Him and the unity of faith. And God is rebuilding His temple in you, you know, by the work of of the Holy Spirit. And He has an unending flow for you every day, all the time. I've been praying through the book of Acts. Uh, There's this thing on TV. I haven't seen it. But anybody seen the Acts thing? Uh, some series on TV or something they're showing? Anyway, uh, 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 but, but I want to encourage you. Read through the book of Acts and, and pray through it because it all deals with the Holy Spirit in your life. And so the baptism in the Holy Spirit and, and that empowering by the Holy Spirit gives you that, that upper hand, gives you that lift up in your life. It, it, it lifts you up and releases the operations and the giftings and the many dealings of God in your life. And so your, your physical, moral, mental, human effort uh, uh, will not carry you in the hour in which we live. 
Uh, you might be successful in a, as a businessman or successful as an artist or whatever. But I'm talking about in the reality of the age we live in, in the blustering world we live in, in the blasting of sin and evil and wickedness and all that's come into this world and is accelerating and ain't going to go away, folks. It's going to increase. If we're going to make it for the end time revival, and there will be one, I believe there will be one in America, if we're going to be here when that happens, God wants us to be here so we can finish and complete the work. Zerubbabel had to finish the temple and put the headstone on top. And so we need to put the headstone, which is Christ, uh, uh, on the finished work of our life so we can... We can do that work that God wants us to do. Uh, Psalm 127.1 says, They that build the house labor in vain. And Jesus uh, is showing us there's a new order coming into place. Beside everything that's out that happened, you may say, well, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit years years ago. That's wonderful. But even with all of that, I'm filled with the Spirit. There's a new order yet to come in to the body of Christ that we have not yet seen. God's still got a lot of tricks up His sleeve. Hello? The terrorists don't have them all. Our government don't have any. You know? And so there's a lot of things God's got up His sleeve that He's not yet released and let go. Things that He's never done. Not that He can't do them. He just hasn't chosen the time because He wants to do them through you and me. And He wants to do it through that power of the Spirit in our lives. He wants to bring that through us. And so the angel said to uh, uh, Zerubbabel, is that okay? Yeah, the angel said to Zerubbabel, uh, uh, mountain, verse 7, it says, mountain, come down. And, and Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, that's a lot to say, isn't it? You know, uh, before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. In other words, the mountains are going to come down in the Hebrew understanding is they're going to come down quick. They're going to come down fast. They're going to come down with a crash. Uh, and I want you to know that the house of cards that certain leaders are playing is going to come down with a crash. And it's going to be no more. And it's going to fade away. And God's going to move in. You know, don't think God's going to let all these others take over this thing. I don't care. He's not going to do that. He's going to set it a new order. And it said, You will bring forth the headstone and the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. And so, I'm shouting grace to the problems. I'm shouting grace to the difficulties. I'm shouting grace to all of the worldly opposition. And I'm shouting grace to ISIS. And I'm shouting grace to all of the enemies with a shout of grace to the problem. We must shout the grace of God, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God. We must, we must shout that to the enemy and to the problems and the difficulties that are all around us. Let God arise and let His enemies be scattered. They're not our enemies. They're not our enemies. Washington's not our enemies. We may think so. ISIS is not our enemies. They're the enemies of God. And don't you know that God knows how to take care of all this business? I'm not giving it one thought. 
If the sword came to my head, I want it to be clean. I want it to be quick because I'll be in the presence of the Lord. Amen? And so let God arise and our enemies be scattered. You say, what's this got to do with with uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, we'll get there. We'll get there one way or another. Okay. I'm not really sure myself. But anyway, just just kind of we'll, we'll see what He does here. But the Lord our God in the midst of us is mighty. And we're not to measure our mountains of problems and difficulties or enemies by their size or their nature or their influence. There's not anything we can really do anyway. Hello? You can write all the letters to Washington you want to and write them. That's good. I'm, I'm for that. But I tell you, it's going to take a whole lot more than that. You're not going to change ISIS. It's going to take more than that. So he said, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my Spirit. It's going to happen by His Spirit and by the outpouring of His Spirit and by His believers being filled with the Spirit and demonstrating the Spirit and living in the realm of the Spirit. That's how it's going to be done. It's like my friend Rustam in Tajikistan. Uh, We went over there and started schools and Rustam had so many stories. He was a Muslim. And he got saved. Isn't that amazing? There's millions of them that are getting saved. Allah's not winning. They're, they're Allah. I mean, there's, inc- there's so many incredible things taking place in Rustam. They come to his house at night. He, he got saved. He planted a church and was having a great impact in the village. So they come to get him. And they take him out of his home. They've got him on his knees. they got the knife. They're ready to take his head off. And Rustam looked up to the guy with the knife. And he said... Can I pray before you kill me? Yeah, pray. And he starts praying for his man that's going to cut his head off. And he starts praying for his wife. And he starts praying for his kids. And the man threw the knife down and ran away. How can I kill somebody who's praying for my children? And he got spared. Months later, he's in his church. Before they got to church, unbeknownst to all of them, they put bombs all over the church, under chairs, and they put a bomb under his seat, right where his stand was. Well, he's sitting there. All of a sudden, he remembers, i got to go get my tithe. And he runs back into his office and gets his tithe. And when he does, all the bombs go off and killed a lot of people. But for some reason, he was saved. I guess the moral of the story is, know where your tithe is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still alive today. You see, it takes the Spirit of God. Only the Spirit of God can get through to people. And it takes prayer there, but it takes the Holy Spirit of God and God's people to get through to people. And so, because of Jesus, through the promise of the Holy Spirit, we can give shoutings of grace to the mountains and to the difficulties so we can fulfill the Great Commission. And so, that's why from Genesis to Revelation, we see the works of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are three distinct works of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life, so 
This is why we've got to believe in the Holy Spirit. Because He is involved in everything we are or we do. For instance, salvation. When a person is born again and receives Jesus, this is by the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said in John 13 and 14. He said, when you believe in Me, inside of you will be an eternal life rise up inside of you. And so when you're born again, that Holy Spirit is the one who convicts you and draws you. And it's that Holy Spirit who then brings the power of regeneration and and gives you the new birth. And so we better believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that convicted us. The night I got saved 47 years ago in the Baptist church, that night I went to church. I wasn't looking for a prayer meeting. And I was uh, a six-pack into the wind already before I got the nerve up to go with Lana to church that night. And so I wasn't looking for Jesus. I just wanted to be with her, you know. Put my arm around her and be close to her. Then all of a sudden, this is six months after I went to church, week after week after week, and then all of a sudden, Holy Spirit convicted me, drew me to Jesus. I wasn't looking for that. But it happened. Then the Holy Spirit is, 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 is important in your life for spirit filling. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit with power to be a witness unto Jesus. And in the process, it opens your life to the gifts of the Spirit and all the realities of the Spirit. There's more than just the gifts of the Spirit. There's other spiritual realities beyond the gifts that are mentioned in the Scriptures. There's all kinds of spiritual realities. And Jesus said that in John seven thirty-seven to 39. He said that um, the, the Holy Spirit, uh, He went up to the day of the feast and He said, If anybody's thirsty, come and drink of Me. And... Uh, the, the Spirit, which was not yet poured out, would fill you, and out of your innermost being would flow rivers of living water. This he was saying about the Spirit that had not yet been poured out. And so, Holy Spirit is for service. You cannot really serve God without the Holy Spirit. I mean, you can love people, but you, you can't do anything like you could being filled with the Spirit and baptized in the Spirit. There's no way to do that. That's why Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to open the eyes of the blind, to heal the brokenhearted, uh, uh, to uh, uh, preach the acceptable year of the Lord, to set the captive free. I mean, the Holy Spirit. He had to have the Holy Spirit come upon him to do that as the Son of Man and the Son of God. That's why, that's why he did it. He did it as a human being like you and me, but he had the Holy Spirit come upon him to do it. He had to. And, and that's how it was all set up. So uh, he's our example. So because he did it, then we did it. So you, Holy Spirit brings you to the new birth, and the Holy Spirit fills you for service. Then the Holy Spirit sanctifies you. Anybody here having trouble getting separated to God and got some old habits and some old things and can't seem to break through in any areas of your life? The Holy Spirit is a sanctifier, 1 Peter 1, 2, said He's the Spirit of sanctification. He's the one who separates you unto the Father and separates you unto Jesus. We can't do these things in the flesh. How many times have we tried doing it with the flesh and can't get it done? But it's the Holy Spirit who separates that and separates you unto the Father. Because that's His whole point. The Holy Spirit wants to bring you into the lap of Jesus. 
Holy Spirit wants to bring you close to Jesus. The Holy Spirit will tell you all about Jesus. That's His job. He honors Jesus and He wants to show Him and show you all that He is. So the three aspects of the Christian life that we can't do without, salvation, spirit filling, and sanctification, the Holy Spirit's all involved with all that. Now, just briefly in the Old Testament, we see Him in creation. It was the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that did the creation in the earth. The earth was out form and void. The Spirit brooded over the waters like a mother hen sitting over eggs, broods over those little chicks and begins to form them. It was the same Holy Spirit that brooded over Mary, the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit over Mary in the New Testament for Jesus to be born. And it's the same Holy Spirit that hovers over you and me to create in us the things of God and the spiritual realities of God and to, and to bring out of our chaotic lives order and beauty. That's the Holy Spirit does that. He, in, he was in the creation and in the creation of man, God breathed into Adam and he became a living, he became a living soul. He became a living life and, and he, he breathed into him. And uh, so uh, we see this in creation. Adam was just a bag of bones laying on the ground until the, until the spirit breathed into him. It, it breathed is the idea. It, it just literally, God just, into the nostrils of Adam, and he became a living soul, and and he stood up. And so the Holy Spirit breathes into us and over us at all different places, all different times when we need it. You just feel his wind blowing. Amen. <laughs> you just feel his work. I feel it so many times. Every time when I'm, when I'm gone and over nations and places, I just I, I know I just feel the Holy Spirit beginning to move. And so uh, in the Old Testament, he came on the man and uh, filled him with the Spirit for certain occasions, you know. Uh, and um, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament says a hundred times he, he visited in the Old Testament. Of the hundred times the Holy Spirit's mentioned in the Old Testament, 75, uh, 25 of those times is he just visited. And um, uh, in, in the New Testament, he, he comes for habitation. In the Old Testament, he's for uh, visitation. So basically his role in the Old Testament is to visit, but in the New Testament he's there for habitation. He's going to come and live in and dwell. And uh, so there's a hundred direct references, 75 of those it's externally, 25 it's internally, but it's a distinctive truth that Spirit of God comes on individuals and then in the New Testament we see him coming for visitation. He comes to visit and to stay and to take up residence within us as 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 we well know. And so he came to the prophets and um, he guided them. He allowed the prophets to guide the children of Israel all the way from the beginning, all the way to the end, to keep the torch and the light of salvation available to mankind. And that was the work of the Holy Spirit to guide and superintend the nation of Israel. And so... We see his work uh, all, all through the Old Testament, and there's so much more. But um, yeah, then we find in the Old Testament, Joel 2, 28 to 32, and I think uh, we've got that. Yeah, and it should come to pass afterward. I'll pour up my spirit on all flesh. That means all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. I just came out of Romania, and um, we went into... Um, 
uh, one of the Romanian villages to minister to the people in a, in a home group. And uh, there was a little 13-year-old boy that was just prophesying his lungs out. <laughs> it was so beautiful. And then I ended up in a gypsy community uh, a little bit further down, and, and I ministered to them on the love of God. And this little gypsy girl, eight years old, had a vision of Jesus on the throne with his hands opening and closing, his nail-pierced hands. And, and children, he poured out his spirit on all flesh. There's no pint-sized Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. And I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Hallelujah. Your young men shall see visions. And um, uh, my men servants, maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So 800 years before the book of Acts took place, 800 years before the time came for the Holy Spirit to be poured out, um, it was prophesied um, by the um, by the prophets of old, and and that's a, just an amazing thing. Eight hundred years before, I don't know, I can't get my head around that, but God, God, God just knows, and it's so wonderful, and and. Uh, God knew what mankind was going to need. God knew what we were going to need. God knew what you and I were going to need. God knew what my wife would need. Amen? You can laugh. You can laugh. <laughs> She's not laughing, but you can laugh, okay? Help me out here. So anyway, then, uh, you know, in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit came, of course, with the birth of Jesus and Luke and but in Luke 1, 15, John the Baptist, uh, Zechariah, and Elizabeth, and uh, uh, John inside of uh, Elizabeth was the first spirit-filled baby. Amen? Babies can be spirit-filled? I don't understand it, but uh, boy, they, he was, he was spirit-filled. And uh, uh, that whole relationship he began with Jesus before he even got out of the womb. No, I can't explain it, don't understand it, don't need to, just know it happened. And that's good, you know. And so with Jesus, was um, the Holy Spirit would come upon him, overshadow Mary, and that seed which would be born in her was the Son of God. And the Holy Spirit was forming Jesus, the perfect, sinless Son of God, inside of Mary. He's precious. Just think what He wants to form inside of you. Just think what He wants to birth inside of you. Just think of the holy seeds that are inside of you that have been there just waiting for surrender, just waiting for believing, just waiting for someone to say yes. God has so much He wants to birth out of each of you for this hour. Amen? Amen. In me, I mean, you know, uh, I'm not much, but I'm just one of the ones He's got. Yeah, but there's a lot of things ahead that I want to see the Holy Spirit birth in, in, in me. Uh, and so at his birth, at his baptism, the heavens opened and the dove settled on Jesus. And uh, uh, he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And that's when the anointing came upon him. That's when the work of the Holy Spirit came upon him to do the things that he did. In his temptation, the Holy Spirit was there. And being full of the Holy Ghost, Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, there's power in the Holy Spirit. There's, there's power. You read the book of Acts and 
over and over and my heart cries out for that power. That power that attended the Holy Spirit. Spiritual power. I mean, power to work signs and miracles and wonders. I mean, real spiritual power. It's there for you and for me. And my heart cries out for that. This that power of the Spirit. Then uh, uh, in Luke 4, He's anointed to do the works of the ministry. and We talked about those. Acts 10.38 10, said that, that He was anointed of God and He went about doing good and healed all that were oppressed of the devil. You know, there's an anointing to do good. There's a spiritual anointing just to do good to people. How many do-gooders here do we have? Amen. I mean, just go out and do good to people. There's an anointing for that. Yeah. And it'll change them. And that's what Jesus did. He, he, he was anointed to do good. And He didn't do bad to people. He did good things to people. And healed all that were oppressed of the devil. And so the Holy Spirit was um, uh, so so alive. And and uh, Jesus said, as it was read earlier, or something about He had to leave so He could send the Holy Spirit. And uh, so, you know, there's there's the, the the baptism in the Holy Spirit is is is. The beautiful work that uh, has been promised to all of us, and and uh, we we just want to come to that. You know, the the biblical basis for the baptism of the Holy Spirit is uh, the prophet Joel uh, two twenty-eight to thirty-two, and we've seen that already. And then the prophet John. John said, "There's there's one who is mightier than I. He was before I was." And he's going to come. I'm not worthy to untie his shoelaces, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And he was prophesying the day of Pentecost. Joel was prophesying the day of Pentecost. Then Jesus, in Luke 24:49, he said, Go and tarry in Jerusalem until you be filled with the power of Spirit until be clothed. The word is clothed. It's it's like a mantle, uh, like Elisha caught the mantle and caught the double anointing of Elijah. Jesus said, "Go and stay in Jerusalem until you be clothed, until you put on the suit of the Holy Spirit, until you be clothed from on high." And that was the command of Jesus. You know. People say, well, there's no place where it says to be filled with the Spirit. Well, there's one right there. Ephesians 5.18 is another one. But, but Jesus said, you know, now, I kind of like Jesus. You know, above the theologians, above academics, above all the grammatical games and nuances people play. I kind of like Jesus and what He said to do. He said, go and tarry. And, and uh, well, that was for back then. Well, get back there then. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you know, I'm interested in now. 
and it just happens to go on through the centuries and years, and it's proven, you know, the day of Pentecost. And so there's the prophet Joel and the prophet John and the prophet Jesus, and they must be saying something good, you know. Uh, and then on the day of Pentecost, there they were all in one place, and suddenly, like a mighty rushing wind, the sound came from heaven came from heaven, and they were all filled with the Spirit. They all began to speak with these languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And the Holy Spirit just began to move, and John began to speak in tongues, and finally Mary began to speak in... Mary, yeah, she was there. Mary began to speak in tongues. It's okay for women too, you know? And uh, <laughs> it's, good. it's good for everybody no matter how old they are and what age they are. But, but it was, and so, uh, on, the, on the day of Pentecost. And so, then after the day of Pentecost, you know, they were saying, well, they're drunk, you know. And, and uh, Peter said, no, it's just the first hour. They're not drunk, but this is that which Joel said. So Scripture interprets Scripture. And so Peter said, this is that which Joel said and prophesied. And then he gives the prophecy. And then, you know, when you go through the book of Acts, you know, you'll, you'll see four different Pentecosts, the, the Jewish Pentecost on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2. That's for all the Jews. Then Acts 8, it's for the Samaritans. And now I've got enough sense to think, Jews, Samaritans, they hate each other. You know, they, 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 and, and now God's filling them with the Spirit. So as Pastor said in point number three, they can love each other, you know. And then you go into Acts chapter 10, and you got the Gentile Pentecost. You got the house of Cornelius, and they're all Gentiles. And now the Holy Spirit falls upon them. And uh, they begin to speak with tongues and uh, begin to prophesy and uh, and. Uh, Peter had already preached to them the gospel and there's salvation going on. And uh, then uh, Acts 19, there's the Ephesian Pentecost. And these are new believers in my thinking. And uh, so they sent people down from, uh, from Jerusalem to check them out. We've heard this is things going on down there. Somebody run down there and see if it's okay. And, uh, and so uh, it seems in the book of Acts, wherever they were baptized in the Spirit, and there's differences. Most of the time, the norm was that they did speak with another language. They, they didn't always speak with another language, but that was, that was the norm of the time. And, and, and the critical thing is don't let, you keep, don't let that keep you from receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, whether tongues or not tongues. The issue is, is just be open to God and let God fill you with His Spirit. Let Him baptize with your Holy Spirit. You know, there's, there's too many. Uh, don't, don't make it an issue. That'll keep you from receiving, you know. And, and um, uh, God manifests himself in different ways. I've got friends who believe that, you know, if you, have, if you haven't talked in tongues, you haven't been filled with the Spirit. And then I've got other friends who believe a different way. And, and uh, uh, you know, so you, you can't be dogmatic in the sense. And... Uh, you can believe what you want to believe. I mean, that's all right. You can be wrong if you want to, but you know. <laughs> but uh, but um, you know. But.
But the, the blessings and benefits of the baptism in the Holy Spirit outweighs all the arguments. Just get it. You know, I don't care what you do, you know. I had a Baptist preacher, when we were filled with the Spirit and with the evidence of tongues in our prayer language, spiritual language, whatever you want to call it, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's not weird. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it's wonderful. And it's a, it's a saving grace in these days ahead. And, and so, uh, um, I forgot what I was going to say. But anyway, I'm coming off about six weeks of trips. And so I, I really apologize. I got a feeling like I'm all over the map. And my wife probably thinks so too. But, uh, but Jesus with his disciples, he, he breathed, he breathed on his disciples and said, receive you the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them. God breathed in Adam, you know, and, and this is the same thing. The word breathe is the same thing. He, and, and they receive the Holy Spirit. And so it's a definite experience. And it's different than just at the point of salvation. Amen. I, I, I got born again and I gave my, uh, gave my heart to Jesus and gave my hand to the Baptist preacher and I was on my way. Boy, I tell you. And I started preaching right away, and God called me to preach immediately. And and then um, um, uh, I was in a coal mining town in Kentucky, and um, I um, uh, was uh, holding a revival, young preacher. had no idea what I was doing, truthfully. And I was just preaching my head off, and I was wild, and I was loud, and I was, you know, and... Uh, so I gave the invitation for the parents to come up front with their teenagers and let's have revival here, folks, you know, and let's pray with your kids. And, and they just sat there and looked at me, you know, like, like some of you are looking at me, you know. No. <laughs> no, you're not. And so we went in this little back room and here's all these teenagers and the pastor just got out of the cemetery. I mean seminary. I, I, I get that mixed up. I shouldn't do that. And uh, these kids are praying and crying and weeping. And the pastor take off his glasses and he's blubbering, you know. And, and I'm kneeling there and I'm thinking, what is going on here? And this little girl sat on the communion table. And it's like she reached up into heaven. And she pulled Jesus down to that room. I thought, oh my goodness. I don't know what this is. And then all of a sudden, like a 747, Holy Spirit just came down in that room landing inside of me. My heart. He was already there, but the fullness, uh, baptizing from above came in. The only way I can explain it. And like I said, I was drunk for several hours. And uh, I, I got the gift of evangelism. I got the gift of love and understanding at that time. And... and uh, uh, that's what God had for me. And then several years later, seminary, Southern Baptist Seminary, I was pastor in the Southern Baptist Church in Southern Baptist Seminary, and none of them believed in what had happened to me. And at seminary, 4 o'clock in the morning in our seminary apartment, one of my friends was ministering to me, and I received another great baptism in the Holy Spirit, call it infilling or whatever, and received my prayer and language and began to talk in tongues like a singer sewing machine, you know. <laughs> and and yeah, this beautiful gift, this beautiful thing. And it was at that point that signs, miracles, and wonders began to happen. 
visions and dreams and all kinds of things begin to take place. And that was in 1975 uh, when that began to happen. And so it, it, is, it is different than the point of salvation. I'm going to move on here. It's the pouring, outpouring of the Spirit. Joel said it already. It's the promise of the Father. Jesus said, go and tarry until you receive the promise of the Father. And it's the promise of God. It's the promise of Jesus. And Jesus is the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. He's still doing it for billions all over the world, uh, everywhere. So it couldn't be it was just back for them because he's still doing it. I never have figured that out, you know. Uh, but it's the power of God. And the baptism in fire is uh, is purity. And, and the fire will burn out the bad and burn in the good. <laughs> Amen. I prayed that so many times. Burn out the bad and burn in the good. I was uh, going down the road in Romania with my, my Romanian Georgi Kazaku. He was an ex-KGB officer and he still lives that way. And we were talking about how many baptisms are there. And we talked about being baptized of water and the baptized with fire and baptized in the Holy Spirit and we had three or four and we thought well we better stop right there you know but it's for purity it's for purity it's just not uh, to move in another spiritual realm but it's to purify us make us what God wants us to be to bring us into that realm of holiness and, and the sanctification he's a sanctifying spirit that's that purity sanctifying spirit and it's a power for witnessing uh, after the Holy Spirit comes upon you you shall receive power to be witnesses unto me everywhere and so it's the power to witness you say I, I haven't led anybody to Christ uh, hang under the power of the Holy Spirit and you will it's a power to give us the ability to witness unto Jesus. It's a command. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be filled with the Spirit. It's a controlling experience. It opens God's Word. It's the fullness of Jesus into your life. It releases the things of Jesus into your life. Let me give you just a couple final things and then we'll give you an opportunity uh, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2 and 2 Corinthians 3 are two powerful chapters on the work of the Holy Spirit. First uh, uh, Corinthians, I'm sorry, what did I say? Yeah. First Corinthians 2, and Paul said, I come in the demonstration and power of the Spirit. And your faith is in the power of God through the Spirit. And He reveals the things of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. If you want to know the things of Jesus, they come by the Holy Spirit. If you want to know the things of God, they only come by the Spirit of God. They don't come any other way. They come by the Spirit of God. Therefore, I better be full of the Spirit so it can reveal all the things of Jesus to me, things I can't see, things I haven't heard, things I can't feel. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals those things to me. And it's about Jesus because He's talking about the mystery that's been hidden before the foundation of the world. He's talking about Jesus. So it's the Holy Spirit that reveals all the things of Jesus to us and shows us the things that have been freely given to us 
and we speak the words of the Holy Spirit, He will teach us the words to speak and give us discernment and judgment. And so uh, the Holy Spirit, then 2 Corinthians um, chapter 3, it talks about the ministry of the Spirit is far glorious than the ministry of the Ten Commandments and the law. And Moses had to put a thing over his face because they couldn't stand it. He says, how much more is the Spirit that ministers unto righteousness than that which ministers unto condemnation? And the ministry of the Spirit is far more glorious than anything. And so I say, Lord, every day, you know, Lord, fill me. Fill me. Fill me with your Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit. Well, we're going to talk about, uh, very quickly, we're going to give you an opportunity to be filled, to be baptized in the Spirit. I'm going to have Kara maybe play some music somewhere here. And uh, we're going to give you an opportunity. But uh, you say, well, how can I receive? I've heard all these stories. and Do I have to fall down? No. Can I do it sitting right here? But of course. You know, do... do, do uh, does this have to happen? That have to happen? Let me encourage you that just trust God. Luke tells us this, that whatever you ask Him for, He will give you. If you ask for an egg, He's not going to give you a scorpion. If you ask a father for this, He's not going to give you that. But you being earthly parents, and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will He give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So you, you, you get what you ask for. You have to believe that. And you have to trust God for that. And, and so it's a thing of surrendering. And so uh, I want to encourage you that it's, it's a beautiful thing.